When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Want to witness the world's biggest football game? Head to iCanWin.com.au, predict Australia's score with a crystal ball, and it could be you and a friend at the FIFA World Cup Qatar 2022 semifinals, all thanks to McDonald's. Maccas, together and loving it. TNCs apply. It's time to cast off on a new adventure. This is Real Adventures with Patrick Dangerfield and Aaron Hadgood. Good morning and welcome to another episode of Real Adventures. Patrick, you are still in WA and I'm sitting here in Ocean Grove and you're not far out flying out to the Gold Coast. You've got one more game this afternoon. Patrick, how are you? Good morning, Redmond. Going well. Yeah, it's been a, a very interesting few days. We fly out on Monday, we play Saturday against West Coast and then play again on Wednesday against North Melbourne uh, in a venue that's changed. So it's been an extraordinary time within the AFL landscape and it continues to be. We actually don't know. We fly out Monday, as I said, but we don't know where we're staying yet. So uh, it's it's quite extraordinary. But as we've seen in Victoria over the past sort of 48 hours with over 700 cases of COVID-19 on Thursday, um, lockdown is well and truly upon you and the rest of the country is sort of bracing that it doesn't, clear and spread from Victoria. Yeah, you're spot on, Paddy. It's well and truly come upon me. And at the start, I was actually feeling a little bit sorry for you, AFL footballers, about how you have to move away from here, move away from your families, your friends. Well, I'm not anymore because, let's be honest, after a bit of quarantining, you're nearly up in Queensland and WA. The restrictions are completely different. I don't know what either state is at the moment, but let's just say you've got a lot more freedom than myself, don't you, Patrick? (laughs) Well, we do. We're under a separate set of protocols than the states, though. We're under a sort of an AFL protocol of... Like an um, agreement with the, the AFL and the, the state. Exactly. And that, you know, there's no sitting in beaches. There's no... It's If you're getting coffee, it's takeaway coffee, and then you're back to the um, back to the facility that you're staying at. Versus, obviously, metropolitan Victoria at the moment, uh, really significant shifts. Our local or closest city to us is Geelong, clearly, and they're they're going to experience um, far tighter restrictions. Um, but when it comes to fishing, Redmond, you can still fish locally, which for any avid fisherman is a good thing. Now, we're going to go to a big fish that I chased during the week, Pat. I headed down to Portland during the week, and I went against everything that I've learned over the years of chasing the barrel bluefin tuna. Well, I wish I could... How'd that, <laughs> how'd that, how'd that go for you? I wish I could go back to Bloody Monday when we're sitting there at, I think it was 11 o'clock, and a mate of mine rings me, Braden, said, would you like to go for a barrel tuna? I'm like, yeah, I would, but I'll check out the tides. So we had a look at the tides, and I don't like to fish anywhere near moons, as you know, where the whatever species is, I can't stand it. And the tides, what they do with the barrel tuna is when you've got nice big tides, they you, you've got feeding periods, as we like to call them. So you've got two different tide changes where you're going to have good chances of fish feeding, where on your smaller tides and your dodge tides, 
you don't tend to find the fish to be feeding as more uh, prolific on one period of time. So what I mean by that, say the tide changed at 12 o'clock, you'd think anywhere from quarter to 11 to an hour after that 12 o'clock, you got a really good couple of hours of chance of bait coming up, fish holding up and the basically bait getting fed on by barrel bluefin tuna. So anyway, we went up there and I said, oh, I shouldn't be doing this. And I thought to myself, you know what? We'll go, definitely go because no one's going to be out. Melbourne's locked down. I'm, we're not locked down. So no one's going to be out. Might be a couple of locals, but it's not going to be the numbers of people that are normally there on calm conditions or relatively calm conditions. So we started fishing. No one, there was not a single other boat out there. I was excited. And then all of a sudden the life come up in front of me and I've gone bang, we're going to get a hook up within half a second here. I pull up, Pat. Because I called, I, I called you and, and I, you were... I hanged up on said, you. I said, I've got to go. I can't talk. Yeah. <laughs> and from that minute that I spoke to you early in the morning for, for us, it was, oh, you were a little bit earlier than us. You were traveling down the highway. But basically, it was going off. And then by the time I got to that bait school, before I could even get close to it to whether to put a lure in or a pilchard, it was gone and it was showing up 100 metres the other way. So you could see the dolphins pushing it around and racing. And that comes back to your tide change. And I'm going to talk a little bit about uh, fishing the right conditions and times. Now, I thought I thought we would have, might have got lucky. And I actually, to be honest with you, I thought I would have got a few shots at a few fish over the couple of days. No one's fished there. But the tide... You thought you were bigger than the industry. You thought you were bigger than the... Yeah. You know, the, your regular anglers. I thought I was bigger you know? than the Dangerfield head. That's how good I was going. So I was no, honestly, I was, I was just. I thought we had the, for the best shot, Pat. Honest, like I just can't even explain it to you. I was so frustrated when I got out there, and it was, it was still doing the stuff that it does when the tides are crap. Usually, there's a lot of boats there on these slow tides, and usually around the moons you get reasonable steady weather. That. The, the, all right, maybe because the boat traffic pushes them down a little bit more and they'll hold one, one or two bait balls will hold up and it just didn't. Not for two days straight, it didn't hold up. So we come home and this is going to come back to, for example, this week, Pat, coming. We're on we're on that full moon period and you know how much the moons play a role fishing for all species. Now, whiting's one of those, one of those, whiting's one of those species, Pat, that basically you need to fish the ultimate conditions. And I'm just going to name a few. You've got dirty water. You've got strong tidal influence, which is comes back to nearly your dirty water. And then you've got a few other elements such as wind and swell. So this week is basically, I've had numerous messages in my report. We're heading out this week going for whiting, blah, blah, blah. And this comes back to the Portland chat we've just had regarding tuna. Don't just put your mindset to a species. You need to learn what you, I know some people just want to get out there, even for yourself, Pat, you used to just love getting away from footy. You just wanted to go fishing. But if you want to catch stuff, there's other things you can do like squid, there's gummy sharks. This time of the year is a bit harder. You can head offshore. The snapper out there are going to be all right on those slower tides in the ocean. There's so many different species that you can go target that's going to allow you to actually catch fish rather than wasting 10 hours catching three whiting. So there's so many different things you can do. It's about learning the elements, the tides, whatever you need to learn to catch species. And I thought over the years, and you would think I do do this for a living, you would have thought that I was thought that I've learned over the years, Pat, not to do what I did during the week, but I did, but I did do it. And so I've learned and I've passed it on to you guys at home. So please listen and it, you will catch more fish. And just a quick one before we wrap up the first segment, Patrick, the virtual boat show. Did you happen to log in by any chance or are you too busy? No, I did log into it and I, I must admit, I, Nothing replaces going to the show, being there, experiencing it. But I tell you what, I was really impressed by what was organised, the talks that, that everyone held. Like, I thought it was wonderful. you got to think and remember that COVID come in 
we'll say end of March, April, Pat, you'd say, like as in when it yep. got serious. April, so there's planning for COVID. They've got that up, that virtual boat show, in the matter of a couple to three, a few months, realistically. And I thought they did a, a, a magnificent job uh, to make things work. And as a, a guest speaker there, I was crapping my dacks going, these guys are not going to make this work. Like, I'm going to be sitting there in front of a computer talking to no people or it, not, not just talking to no people. It's not even going to allow me to talk to people, some technical fault that always happens. And you and I are currently yep. talking over... Uh, over FaceTime because we can't obviously pay with each other. And we tried to do a couple of other little, uh, what did we try to do? Skype and a few others. We had technical difficulties trying to get them going. So exactly, they've yep. got thousands of people in this boat show. And I think they had up towards 8,000 people, I think from memory, which went to the show, which is great on short notice. So I hats off to the, to the team at the Melbourne boat show, the BIA for putting that together. Pat, I think it was a, a great little thing that they did. Well, I agree. Now, Reben, before we go to the break, just a little bit of news around the traps for 2021. Sea leg 7.5 semi cab has been revealed on uh, Boat Sales website. Uh, it's the new version of the 7.5 metre amphibious boat, slightly larger centre cab. Um, and Suzuki have unveiled uh, their 115 and 140 horsepower drive by wire outboard engine. So, drive by wire for those uninitiated. Um, Cable steering for most, which is um, it's not touchy at all. You can shift the uh, your, your gears what ten centimeters, and on some outboard engines, you'd go an extra couple of knots. Whereas fly by wire, every centimeter you move the um, your accelerator, it goes. So there's a shift in RPM. Um, it's far more touchy, but far better um, and greater control over it. Normally, you see it in the in the bigger outboards, but Suzuki have released it into their 115 and 140 horsepower outboard engines. So it's good to see, Redmond. It is, and just quickly, when you do buy one of these uh, drive uh, drive by wires, they they are a tremendous new <coughs> accessory to the boating industry. They do make life a lot easier when you are, uh, for example, Portland. It was quite rough on the last day coming back in, and you're using your wrist the whole time trying to use the throttle. It is so much easier and nicer to use. But just a quick one, just a little tip for you guys out there. If you do have it on your vessel and you're finding that it, uh, uh, for you, you, it adjusts itself, so you hit a wave and it throws your throttle down just that little bit. A uh, couple, like you said, Pat, it's not much, a few mil to a couple centimetres, it it pushes it pushes Bob down the yeah. back of the boat, out the boat. So you need to you need to get that adjusted by your marine mechanic and it can be adjusted and fixed. So don't make, get it done because it will be a lot safer. But don't go anywhere because after the break and a few more segments later, Patrick, we've got the Social Club, Dream Boating Destination, and I'm sure Pat's going to have a reasonable gaff. You're listening to Real Adventures. You're listening to Real Adventures with Patrick Dangerfield and Aaron Hadgood. Welcome back to Real Adventures. It is now time for the Social Club, Patrick, where you can send your questions in to myself and Pat, where basically you can ask anything you want regarding fishing, boating, and the great outdoors. And Patrick, don't forget the Real Adventures app, which has taken off like mad. Patrick, have you checked out the app yet and sent, my, sent me a question yet? I haven't sent you a question, but yes, from from fishing itself to cooking, preparation, reg reviews, um, and of course, you can access all of Dometic's new range of outdoor uh, equipment that they've just released. It's all on our Real Adventures app, so make sure you head to the app store and download it now. 
First question is from Joe Patrick. Hey, Red, when gummy fishing, all I seem to catch is perch when anchored. I want to catch some blue throat wrasse. Any tips? Now, Patrick, the reason I read the message out or the question out is you love catching your wrasse and you've caught quite a few on the old fly, haven't you? I think fly you've gotten a few. Um, um, I must admit I am stumped by this question because anyone that struggles to catch <laughs> blue throat wrasse, like, I, I, just, I don't understand. Head to any reef. <laughs> Or come out with me, and you'll catch plenty of blue throat wrasse, and I'll and I'll get them. I'll get them to three, four kilos, the biggest you've ever seen. I'll get them. Don't worry about that. Do you know when you're fishing the deep deep waters? So, for example, fifty meters, forty meters, thirty meters. And I'm not mean to make this sound bad or whatnot, but you know, you just mentioned three or four kilo wrasse. Uh, I try to help a blue throat wrasse when you release it with a swim bladder, and occasionally it doesn't go pat. But you know what is amazing? Yeah. This is nature at its best. You know that big brown-browed albatross, which wingspans are like a couple of meters either side? They will literally swallow a whole three-kilo wrasse to itself, like just straight down the gob. And then straight afterwards, shake their head a few times, and they watch it. So, Speaking of speaking of uh, swallowing ginormous fish, now before you answer the question around the blue-throat wrasse, um, did you see that? It's been circulating on social media. It would have been an 800 to 1,000 pound black marlin that swallowed a 40, 30 to 40 kilo tuna hole. That no, was extraordinary. One of the most, one of the most amazing videos I've just about ever seen. It was a commercial fishing boat and brought the, the marlin on deck and maybe, maybe 40 kilo tuna is a little bit much. It might have been 20 to 30, but they pulled it literally out of, um, out of the marlin and they reckoned that the fish had actually choked. That's how it had. Oh, so they did, um, did they catch it or did the marlin die? Well, the marlin was dead, but they actually think rather than them caught it, it was just literally it was struggling on the surface, and then the nets had picked it up because it had choked on. Oh, this, gotcha. Yeah, okay. I thought this you meant massive they, tuna. I, I thought you meant they were using it for bait, but they actually reckon it choked it. Yeah, right. Interesting. Anyway, yeah, and it was massive. <laughs> back to Joe's question. Now, I'm going to agree with Joe a little bit. Ras fishing can be a little bit. Uh, uh, harder at times when targeting gummy sharks. And what I mean by that is you're anchoring up on the edge of the reef and sometimes you might not be sitting on that reef that and bit uh, that that much that you need. You have prolific reef behind underneath you where you have that much rash just destroying baits, which is a good thing. So you've moved off it and you're able to fish the gummies and pick up a few reef fish is the ideal situation. But going into winter, they're not as active. So they're not going to come off the reef as far to feed on your baits. So, two tips is, simple story. Number one, anchor up on the reef a bit more and you're going to catch them. Number two, just before you anchor, why don't you just do a drift in 20 meters on reef with a bit of squid on and a size four sinker and catch yourself half a dozen, if you, obviously it's five per, bag limit per person. So, if you've got a mate, catch yourself half a dozen uh, blue throat wrasse or parrotfish for bait and then go to your gummy spot. It'll take you 10 or 20 minutes to do so. There is so many out there on the reefs, like you said, Pat. It's just when you anchor up on your same spot, sometimes you might get one or two, and it might be only one or two on that reef, So, you, especially during the colder months of the year. So be a bit more active. Start fishing uh, before you start fishing, so go get your bait. If the salmon jumped up in front of you, Pat, and you're on the way out to go gummy fishing, I guarantee you that you get yourself half a dozen salmon fresh. Because same thing on the RAS. Stop down there, get yourself some, stop out the back of the heads or wherever you're fishing. And the whole coastline down here, Victoria, right up to New South Wales into South Australia, have 
a different types of reef species, and I'm sure the sharks, the gummy sharks especially, are going to feed on them. And what they do a lot of the time, when it goes dark, Pat, quite often you don't actually catch the wrasse when it goes dark because they head into their reefs, and all of a sudden they're, they're trying to be protected. So they won't come out and feed. So daytime hours is the better. Sunrise, obviously, is when you'll start to get them. But when that sun comes up, they're quite easy to catch. Patrick, can you take us through the next question? Daniel, how do I tell the difference between a male and female gummy shark? Well, this comes back to, I think, all sharks, to tell you the honest truth. Uh, You've got claspers on a male shark. Uh, And what that is, basically, is the way – I'm not a scientist – Patrick, that's for sure, am I? <laughs> but basically... No, no. As, as you would say, to tell you the honest truth, you are not. I'm not a scientist. But no, they have claspers on the back, uh, near their anal fin, which runs near their anal region. So basically, if you get a shark that has claspers... <laughs> that, you like that, that one? That's a, that's a scientific explanation as I you'll thought, ever I, hear. I, I, Continue. I, I thought you'd like that one. And on a, say, a 10-kilo male gummy shark, the claspers will roughly be between, I reckon, 6 to 10 centimetres long, and you can't miss them. They're on the bottom side of the fish, like I said, Patrick, near the bottom, but basically they're 10 centimetres long, and there's two on either side, and all sharks, Port Jackson, swell sharks in Victoria, even Makos, they all that's how they breed. So that's a male. Another way to tell with gummy sharks, male and a female. Now, this is a bit more of a broad aspect, but your males don't get as big as the females. So I don't reckon I've ever caught a gummy shark being a male that's over probably 12 to 14 kilo, to be honest with you. So I don't, yeah, I don't reckon I have. So all those big girls, anything, say, we'll say 15 kilos and up, are pretty much going to be your big females. So that is also another way. But like I said, that claspers is the number one way to look at it. Last question, Patrick, from Melissa. Uh, from Melissa, yes, my family is looking for a new family boat. I would like a bow rider. My husband would like a center console. Difference between the two and what you would choose. Well, I suppose they're they're, they're quite similar. A bow rider and a center console. Center console is obviously that three sixty degree fishing Redmond. I, if it was me and fishing in southern waters, and I'm not sure where Melissa is from. I'd almost be more tempted by a bow rider simply because of the protection that you get from the windscreen setup, depending on what it is. Like Mark McCarr, for example, has got a 28-foot bow rider, and that thing is phenomenal. But most bow riders aren't exactly set up pat, for, pat, pat, pat. That for thing, fishing. That thing also has a bar and a nightclub in it too, so that doesn't really care. <laughs> <laughs> it depends where you fit. If you're fishing in Queensland waters, either or would suffice, I reckon. But I'm, I'm a bit against centre consults for Southern Waters Redmond just with how cold uh, it gets. You and both of both of us are on the same page there, aren't we? Because it's just too cold, like you said. Getting up north, it's no dramas when you've got 30 degrees day and as soon as the sun comes up, it's 20. So, yeah, bow, bow it's a good question because some bow riders <clears throat> excuse me, aren't made in... Like, a lot of actually bow riders are not made specifically for ocean fishing. So it depends. Yeah. What, it depends what you're doing completely. So if you're say, for example, you're wanting to, you want to send a console for casting for tuna, uh, you you want to specifically target tuna outside of Portland. You're probably not going to buy a bow rider because it gets rough. Where a lot of the center console boats are designed to ride extremely well 
through those rougher conditions. So it depends what you're using it for. But like you said, Patrick, I don't think there's a massive place in Victoria for centre consoles. And I don't know if that's just because you and I are both soft, but I reckon <laughs> I reckon you're spot on there. I would definitely go uh, the centre console. Is that all the questions, Pat? Are you going to sneak one more in or that'll do us for today? No, that wraps up the social club, Reverend. If you've got a question for Aaron or I, make sure you send it into our Real Adventures Facebook or Instagram page or our new Real Adventures app you can get on the App Store and Google Play. It is now time, of course, Reverend, for our dream boating destinations. Now, dream boating destination for this week is Durian Bay, which is roughly two and a half hours north of Perth. And it is very, very quickly emerging as one of the, the great short day trips, I think, Redmond, from Perth when it comes to getting straight to where you can fish and catch really good fish. Now, I went up there early in the week before a few regulations changed for, for, for AFL players. And I must admit, it is such a beautiful coast. It's an easy drive. Like I said, it's two and a half hours away. It's it's Break the cruise control on and just enjoy it. If you're going to get up and go early, you do have to be um, slightly cautious of kangaroos because that way. Uh, there is a small airport that you can fly into as well. Um, it's not an international airport, but you can use it. Um, but in terms of fishing, West Australian Jewfish, plentiful if you know the right people in the right spots. There's plenty of snapper. As I said, I think it's the number one snapper fishing state in the country at the moment. I think it's replaced South Australia given the um, issues we all know um, you know, have plagued South Australia over the last sort of five, six years. Um, I think it's been replaced by WA because you go out there every minute and, you know, five, six kilo fish just about everywhere. It is a magnificent place to, um, to go and fish. It's a great family destination. Uh, as well. And there's a new jetty there. I don't know if you checked it out, Pat, when you were there. You probably would have known you. But basically, you can catch snapper from it, Mulloway, yep. Samson fish, and even some really good-sized Spanish mackerel during the summer months. So basically, that yeah, the is facilities, a fisherman's dream place. Yeah, the facilities are fantastic. And because of how they've changed the, and introduced the quota system with, with um Crayfish, you can go off basically any of the rock walls uh, around the marina facilities and you will find crayfish. They are literally everywhere. It's it's quite special. So Durian Bay, our dream boating destination for this morning. We are now heading to another break, but don't go anywhere because there's plenty more to come after the break. On Real Adventures, it's time to get all aboard for Dometic Mobile Living Made Easy. Welcome back to Real Adventures, and it is now time for our Real Adventures Rewind. All for Dometic, enjoy a drink on the rocks on your next outdoor adventure with the Dometic CFX3 Ice Maker model. And today we are going back to the sensation from iFish, Paul Worsling. He's going to join us and take us through one of his amazing trips that he's been on. Then Mr. iFish himself, Paul Worsling. Good morning, P-Dub. Good morning, lads. How are we going? Good, because i got you to talk to and not Pat, so it's fantastic, actually. <laughs> uh, I, think that, I think that's a very fair deal on your part. <laughs> now, this morning, P-Dub, I want to focus on a recent trip that you've been on, Namotu Island in Fiji. I think you spent just over a week there. Can you talk us through it? Because it just looks like one of the most incredible destinations in all of the world. It looked amazing. Look, Pat, I shouldn't tell you about it because I don't think you'd like to go there. Uh, <laughs> you'd, you'd, have too much, you'd have too much fun and never want to come home. 
look, I've been very, very fortunate to have fished Fiji probably on about 15 different trips, places like Lombasa, Savu Savu, all the way down to Kandavu Island. We've obviously had a dinner out many times, and people who have been there will know dinner out very well. And Fiji is just the most beautiful place with the most incredible people. The Fijians are just unbelievable. In fact, it was Jack's first fishing trip every three months old. I took him uh, chuck and poppers for GTs in Fiji, but he wouldn't get out of his pram, which I thought was quite weak. <laughs> uh, so, so when I got the option to go back to Fiji, of course, I jumped at it. And it's amazing, this little island called Namotu, I've driven past it in a boat, I reckon, a hundred times, but I've never really noticed it because there's that many islands around. And uh, all of a sudden they said, hey, you should come to Namotu. Um, I know how to catch the fish here. And I was really intrigued because this guy, Benny Wilson, who is a world champion, you know, I think it's a, a kite boarder, so he uses a kite to ride a surfboard in yes, massive yeah. ways. I, I didn't even know that existed, excuse me, but he's a <laughs> kite boarder. So I can't surf to start with. And then he's getting pulled along by a giant kite as well, so it's pretty cool. Uh, he's a gun fisherman, and he said, come over, I'll show you some stuff. So we literally went over to Namotu. It, look, it's not the size of the MCG. It's small. I reckon it's half the size of, of the, the ground. It's just so beautiful. Only about 30 people stay there. And the fishing was, I'll say 11 out of 10, but I'm, I could be exaggerating. It might be 12. <laughs> it was just amazing. And the thing that just blew me away the most was how close to the island all the good fishing was. I think there was only two days we went offshore chasing big tuna. I'm talking going to the edge of the shelf, which is 12 miles. Every other day, the fishing was generally 200 metres to one kilometre from the island. <laughs> and the thing I love about that, I don't like... Tra- I, I'm travelling at sea. It's the yachties. I have no joy in that at all. I, I like to be at the fishing location, catch fish, be home. So I love that closeness. And we got up early one morning, and uh, it's 7 o'clock. He goes, what do you want for brekkie, boys? I said, what do you mean? So pick anything. I said, oh, I'll have a, an omelette with the works. They delivered the omelette from the island <laughs> to our boat. Are you kidding? Whilst, whilst we were trolling for Spanish mackerel. And... <laughs> And that was literally just part of the deal. Another day, it was like, now, just work with me here, boys. But it was about four days into the trip. I needed a little pick-me-up. And we hadn't caught a lot of fish at about 11 in the morning. I said, look, when you go to a beautiful Pacific island, you always have a cocktail, sit by the pool. Um, any chance of getting a few espresso martinis delivered? I knew it was five o'clock somewhere. Next thing, a boat comes out with four espresso martinis delivered. We, they were still in the shaker. We, we cracked them and put the martini glass on the edge of the boat. It was so calm. And as I took the first tip, the rod screened off and we didn't stop fishing, catching monsters about three hours. Well, to, before we go to the martinis, Paul, how do, we, how do we get there? Take me back from the start from Melbourne. How are we getting there? It's actually very, very easy. So you fly out of Melbourne to Nandy, uh, which is really weird because it's spelt N-A-D-I, but it's pronounced Nandy. So it's trying to get your head around that one. It's about a four-hour flight from the east coast of Australia. So depending on where you come from, Brisbane's even closer. Land in Nandy. They pick you up at a bus. They drive you half an hour to a small port. You jump on a boat, half an hour boat ride, you're at Namotu Island. So uh, it's just amazing. It's, it's actually easier pretty much than flying across the country from Melbourne to Perth. And you are in paradise. Like I'm talking about an island one night we're at the bar. Uh, I, I keep seeing these references to the bar. Maybe we went fishing one night. No, we Are you an alcoholic? Back no, <laughs> I, I, only, only after 6 p.m., Patrick. No, after, after a big day, there's nothing like a cold bourbon. I'll give you a tip in 35, 40 degree heat with humidity. And someone says, quick, quick, turtles. We ran 50 metres and there was 100 baby turtles that hatched on the beach and they were all making their way down to the sea. Now, I've been lucky enough to see that Dirk Hartog Island. That's like once in a lifetime stuff. Then I'm walking back somewhere 
and a you know those sea snakes, the black banded coral sea snakes, they yes. use the island as a place to sleep. <laughs> so they actually come out of the ocean and they hide in the grass. So there's these sea snakes crawl around everywhere. And I was actually fairly brave, picked one up by the tail, got a nice photo, did a bit of a uh, how's your father? And literally, you just don't get to see this stuff when you go to resorts and and, and big built up places and. And, and at Namotu, you literally see all this stuff happening the whole time. Um, I had a snorkel, and there was an eight-kilo bluefin trevally looking at me, and I put my head under the water. Like, it just is a special part. And on top of all that, boys, the fishing's pretty good as well. <laughs> Another thing I want to ask you about, Pete, now your son, Jet, turned 11 during the week. Yes, uh, my boy turned 11 on Friday, and my dad turned 80 yesterday. It was a big week. Now, Jet was lucky enough... Uh, to join you on the trip, which I'm not he happy does. With Jet. <laughs> I think, I'm sorry, Paul, but he's the world's luckiest kid. What's going on here? Just, just looking at Paul's Instagram, and he's just holding my my. Just well, that's, my, what, I, yeah. that's what I was going to say. <laughs> not only has Jet won the cricket grand final, but he's also had his PB with a dolphin fish that looked well over a meter long. Yeah, it's quality fish. He's look, he's a very lucky lad, and we uh, you did get a few days off school for that one, but. I just want to enjoy that whole family experience. I think going to Fiji is about family. And uh, he literally was blessed. He caught massive dolphin fish. Probably the best fish he caught on the trip was an eight-kilo red bass on a popper. And because he's 11, that's hard work from... Yeah, I was about to say that. Hard work. But I made him do it because it's easy with your kids to do all the work for him, but I like him to have to do the hard yards. And uh, he had a big GT smash it. And then... Next pop, an eight kilo red bass ate at me, and he did the whole thing by himself. I had to grab him by the back of the shirt, nearly got pulled in. He was on the boat with us when we caught uh, massive Spanish mackerel. He caught some big Spaniards. He just had a cracking trip for a boy, and I think it's so important with your kids to just get him out and see the world. And, and, and he played with local kids. He learned more about local culture. And there's a lot of kids in jet school, and they think the world revolves. It's a triangle between home, the shops, and school. I just think it's so good to get your kids out there into the world to see it, and they learn so much more than they will at school. You've got to learn maths eventually, but I taught him a lot of maths. I taught him that two big Spanish mackerel don't weigh as much as one big yellowfin. <laughs> oh. and, 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 and on that, boys, the yellowfin, we went out one afternoon. It was oh. like oil, oil glass out. We caught GTs in the morning, big Spanish on the downrigger. We went out and stopped in amongst that. had a cyclone recently. It was all floating timber and debris, which is like fads. And we were trolling. We saw 50 to 60 kilo yellowfin free jumping. We saw them fin with their sickles out of the water, which I've never seen before. We went past a log, saw a big bull dolphin fish come off and smash that. I caught him. He's about well, 1.3 metres long. And then we had a double hook up on 45 kilo yellowfin. And um, funny story, it may never go to air, but we one fish straightened hooks. We got the second fish at 45 kegs. We pulled it over the side of the boat after bleeding it. It hit the deck, went ballistic, picked up a chag with 50 wide, ambrod with its tail, flipped it straight over the side, gone. No! <laughs> no! Gone, and it's got it all on film. It's like, what, it's gone. And then Benny, who was the bloke who caught it, Benny stepped back and threw a gap, which I was holding. The fish went back ballistic, sliced the back of my leg over, I still got a scar, and it took 10 minutes when I was tuning it, the old tuna rattled going. It was <laughs> out of control, but, um, it, man, it must have tenderized it because that was some pretty good sashimi you had that night. Well, I had to have a holiday coming soon, Pat, and I'm going there because Curry wants to go to Fiji. Little does you know that we're going to the island. Peter, before we wrap it up, you've been catching some very decent mull away of late. I just want to ask you, because um, I noticed on your Instagram that there's been a few new electronics added to uh, your baby Stavy. Can you talk me through the Hummingbird Solix 15? 
Because it's, I think yeah, it's look, new mate, to your boat. It, it is new. I've actually got two hummingbirds on the baby stage. I've got one at the front and one at the back because I get a bit lazy sometimes. <laughs> um, <laughs> oh, whole six feet. Yeah, look, it's a pretty big boat. But, uh, look, the size 15 is mind-blowing. I, I just, I'm getting to know it because I've had other brands over the years and I'm getting to learn it. But we literally could see what we believe were Mulloway swimming six metres beside my boat on the side stand. As we were heading over to the spot, we could see boulders on the bottom and literally like you're looking at rocks. So you could position the boat so that your baits were sitting beyond the rock in the, in the lee of the tide, etc. Um, the actual imaging, the down scan is great. The mapping is as good as you'd hope for. But I'm really enjoying this, the new units and how simple they are to move. So they've definitely caught me more fish. We were, we were down rigging at um, Lake Bull and Merai about three weeks ago. And I was watching the down rigger bomb at 20 metres and I was watching the salmon swim up to it. Have a look, saying to my cameraman, <laughs> no, I was saying to my cameraman, start rolling, what, start rolling, and bang, he ate them. You could actually see the fish swimming up to it. Like, it was just absolutely amazing. And um, the guy I was fishing with on the Mulloway, he was just blown away because he had some areas there. He's got a traditional old up-and-down pinger, and he now has a much better idea of what the hole looks like, which areas to fish just by using the side scan and stuff. So I am suitably impressed. The other new little addition on the boat, boys, which has been mind-blowing, is a thing called a talon. And a yes, talon I is have five, seen this. A five-metre pole, you hit a button, and it go on the sounder, talon down, it goes five metres down. So any time you're in four and a half to five metres of water, it locks you on the spot, guaranteed, don't move an inch. And it is so handy for your whiting fishing. Even if you put the anchor out, you drop that at the back so you don't yaw from side to side. But brilliant on your brim fishing, your trout fishing, red fin. It is the most incredible thing. I used it in Cat Bay two weeks ago fishing the whiting. And I've actually got an underwater shot of a gummy shark swimming into it. As you I saw that. Along the <laughs> I did see that. Did you see that? Mate, I saw we that had, as well. Yeah. <laughs> we had gummy shark free swimming around the boat, which, yeah, look, that new technology, boys, I think you, you know because you're in the game. If you can use the technology to your advantage rather than just have it on your boat, you'll catch so many more fish as crazy. I agree. He's so pretty smart, the old Worsling, isn't he? He goes all right. Paul Worsling, thank you for joining us this morning on Real Adventures. Thanks a lot, Paul. Thanks, mate. Have a great day. That was Real Adventures Rewind for Dometic Mobile Living, made easy. And now it is time for Red's review, and today we are reviewing Boggs Gumboots. It is a gumboot that not only has been made for men, it's also made for men, women, the workplace, you name it, it has been done. It covers all aspects of fishing, the outdoors, and also the workwear. So basically it has a massive range of gumboots as such. So Boggs Gumboots, as it's traditionally known, is more than just a Boggs Gumboots. They are a brand in itself that caters for basically all your needs. So if you do want more information, heads to boggsfootwear.com.au. Set up the search there. They're going to have everything you want from gum boots to work boots to snow boots to hunting boots to clogs to socks. You name it, they have everything. They range from about 90 to a couple hundred dollars, so they're extremely well priced for the quality that you're going to get. So make sure you check them out. Like I said, I'm going to say it one more time. Bogsfootwear.com.au. Grab a pair that suits yourself and what's going to accommodate what you need, whether it's, like I said, work, fishing, or the likes, and you're going to be extremely comfortable. Not only are they extremely light, they are the most comfortable gumboot I have ever worn. You can go to your tackle store and buy a $20 pair that's going to hurt your feet by the end of your eight-hour tuna session, or you can spend an extra 40 to 80 bucks. It's going to score you an awesome gumboots. So make sure you check them out. And that was Red's Review. 
You're listening to Real Adventures with Patrick Dangerfield and Aaron Hadgood. We are now on the home stretch. Patrick, the last segment, and I've got a question for yourself before we head into Red's tip and the flying gaff. You are playing a bit later on tonight. I'm looking forward to it. I really am looking forward to it. I'm a bit worried about the old Nick Natanui, Patrick, because uh, <laughs> the man himself is a machine, and I want to know how do you tackle this bloke. You're going to have to pull a rabbit out of a, out of a hat, I reckon, tonight, Patrick, and uh, work something out with him. Take us through it. How are you going to stop the Nick Nat, the fishing machine and the footy machine? Well, I think the most important when you're playing at someone like Nick Nat and the West Australian or the West Coast Eagles, rather, midfield unit is that you you don't get too aggressive around the centre bounce because Nico is so good in the air and he really can change his mind mid-air and where he wants to hit it. One, you need a really good contest for me, Ruckman. So you will get that from, from Big Sav. And, and Sav's probably one that, you know, can jump almost as high as Nico. There's very few in the game that can. And, and the last time that we played against West Australia, he, he gave him a bit of a run for his money. So um, that'll be important. The big man's jumping into him. And then that we're, we're just on our bodies at ground level and, um, you know, try and cover them off as best we possibly can. But provides a, a huge challenge, there's no doubt about that. And we respect the, the big man for what he can do. But um, I'll back our guys to to crash in all day as well. well. My only advice is as soon as he jumps on that first ball, you just got to somehow take him out, Pat. I don't know if I'm allowed to say that. I don't know if I'm allowed to say that, but I'm saying it. That's your only chance. I'm sorry. <laughs> it is now time for... I want to jump on his shoulders. <laughs> just take that bloke out and you might get a chance. <laughs> it is now time for Red's tip. And Patrick, we cleaned a massive bluefin tuna the other week and I was cleaning it down the Barwon Heads uh, boat ramp. This was a little while ago when we got that nice fish and we were cleaning it and the guy come up and he goes, are oh, you using such a little knife for cleaning that big fish? And it comes back to having a variety knife and also separating your bait knives to your filleting knives. So all my knives are super sharp and I've got machetes, Patrick, that are as long as my arm and I'm not even exaggerating, right down to tiny little bony knives. So having a variety of knives is extremely important, but it can be pricey. If I was you guys, I'd have a bony knife and basically a filleting knife and you're going to do all your damage. And it comes back to that barrel tuna that I was just talking about. I was cleaning that with my little filleting knife, tiny little, I think it was a six inch or a seven inch filleting knife. And I cleaned pretty much the whole fish with that. There's different ways to clean different fish and it's about learning how to do it. Now, just by using that knife, I'm basically separating, I guess it's like a cartilage that runs on the top side of the fish right down to the tail. And then I'm separating along the lateral line of this barrel tuna just in one big motion. And then the fillet nearly pulls off itself. You're actually not using the knife that much other than guiding the meat off if it gets a little bit stuck. So keep your knife super sharp. That comes back to separating it with your filleting knife. So, uh, and you, and you, sorry, your bait knife. Don't take your bait knife out and cut bait with it. But in saying that, Keep your bait knife sharp too. I can't stand going on people's boats and I'm about to cut up a nice chunk of salmon and I'm sitting there and it takes me 65 pushes just to get through the salmon chunk. Not only is it dangerous, you're going to possibly cut your hand off because you're pushing so erratically and hard, but it also ruins baits extremely fast, especially if they're defrosted like a nice bit of salmon. So keep your bait knife separate to your filleting knife. Keep your bait knife sharp and keep your filleting knife separate and sharp. But remember, 
that you don't need a huge knife all the time to clean big fish. Where I'd be using my bigger knives, my machetes and such, is to separate the meat off sharks. And like yourself, when I got that massive bronzy years ago, Pat, I used a big knife to clean that up. So having a variety of knives and them, clean, keeping them separate is definitely my tip for this week. And Patrick, take us out with the flying gaff. Because... Uh, what? I mean, flying gaff's a simple, simple one, Redmond. Um, it's about staying in your region. Now, you mentioned start of the week that you head down and chase the barrels it was allowed then it's not now let's make sure we respect the the areas that we all love fishing by not fishing there and just staying to our local uh, our, our local routes for you it's queenscliff for me it's uh perth <laughs> um and let's respect the the places like portland your apollo bays and, and regions all around australia um we want to protect those communities that are always welcoming um under normal circumstances, but let's not take advantage of them by traveling a couple of hours out of our and away from home uh, when we shouldn't be under the sort of situation we are now with COVID-19. So let's respect those destinations that we love fishing and protect them by not fishing there during this time. Well done, Patrick. That is the show done. You have listened to Real Adventures. I'm about to try and go for a fish. I think you've got a game to prepare for. So we'll see you next week. Stay safe and get out in the water. Sometimes needing new tyres can catch us by surprise. That's why tyre power gives you the power of zip pay and zip money. You can get what you need now, get back on the road safely and pay for it later. Terms and conditions apply. So visit tyrepower.com.au or call 13 91